It's Curious City editor Alexandra Solomon. Now, every Chicago driver has probably encountered a speed hump. You might know it as a speed bump, but the official name is hump. Anyway, there are those raised portions of pavement that you're supposed to slow down for, unless you're in the mood for a rude awakening and some damage to your car. It's probably safe to say that nobody particularly enjoys going over one, but they certainly annoy some more than others. One Chicagoan got so fed up with a speed hump in his alley, he took matters into his own hands. For nearly three weeks, Nicholas Benitez hacked away at a bump in his alley near his home in Brighton Park. Benitez grabbed a pickaxe and whittled away at it. The Brighton Park resident said he was tired of the damage being done to his car and the lack of response from the city. Now he faces a $500 fine and a court case for damaging city property. He might also have to pay for the city to put in a new one. Now, while some like Benitez might find speed humps unpleasant, they are supposed to make streets safer, and traffic safety is a really big deal. On-street traffic fatalities have actually increased in Chicago between 2019 and 2020, from 96 to 139. That's a 45 percent increase. And transportation officials attribute this to increased speeding in residential areas. But one Curious City listener isn't convinced that speed humps actually increase safety. Oh, I'm anti. I don't think they work. Rob Cassidy is a longtime resident of Chicago and someone who thinks a lot about urban infrastructure. He works as the executive editor of Architecture Magazine and even used to be a city planner in Alexandria, Virginia in the 1970s. But speed humps have always been somewhat of a mystery to Rob. I've lived in the city almost 50 years, and I don't remember when they got started or who started them. I just was wondering, you know, how did all this happen? So Rob wanted to know when these things got to Chicago and how and why they get installed. And most important, do they work? Reporter Andrew Merriweather takes us on a ride to answer those questions after the break. Stay with us. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I discovered authors I had never heard of and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts. Curious City is supported by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in the day, how would you use it? BetterHelp Online Therapy can help you figure out what's most important to you so you can prioritize it. Learn to make time for what makes you happy. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Curious City today to get 10% off your first month. I went to take a drive with Rob Cassidy in his north center neighborhood of Chicago so I could see these speed humps he complains about for myself. All right, you ready? I'm ready. Are you holding on? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, I see what you're saying. This is really big. Okay, ready? <laughs> oh, man. Did you hear that? I hope your sound picked that up. Yeah, no. <laughs> that was just one of the many speed humps we went over. Though that one in particular, Rob calls Mount Kilimanjaro. We've got some couple of guys laughing over here, like how hard we hit, yeah. I should say from the outset that Rob says he spends a lot of time in his car, and he's a careful driver. 
He says he doesn't do anything dangerous, and he always drives the speed limit. In fact, he actually likes the stop signs that were recently put up near his house. These were put in in the last year, and this has been extremely effective. And those, do the stop signs bother you, or...? No, they don't. But speed humps drive him crazy, in part because he feels that they're poorly designed. And you hit it and you go flying. I mean, I've literally been thrown out of my seat. I mean, up two or three inches off the seat of this car. So Rob wants to know more about the theory behind them. Who decided this was the effective way to slow traffic? Well, I'm, I was curious as to uh, when these things got started and where and, and who invented the first speed hump or speed bump or whatever that person called it at that time. The earliest speed hump I could find was from 1906 in Chatham, New Jersey. Back then, they called them automobile teasers. And I was also able to find some early designs for speed humps from a Nobel Prize-winning physicist named Arthur Holly Compton. But to really understand how speed humps began proliferating in cities like Chicago, we need some historical context. See, in the 1950s, cars ruled the road, says Dr. Norman Garrick, former professor of transportation at the University of Connecticut. By the 1950s, most cities had been, streets had been converted to places where you didn't see people using the street in a very free way. It was, people were pushed to the side and cars controlled most of the real estate. Because there was no infrastructure to slow cars down, roads were more dangerous for pedestrians and for motorists. The average traffic-related fatality rate in the 1950s was 24.6 per 100,000 people. Which is really, really high. Compare that to the rate in 2018, which was 11.7. That's over a 50% decrease over about 50 years. And part of this decrease is a result of a movement that actually began in places like the Netherlands in the 1970s, which had similar traffic fatality rates to the United States. It started to influence government policies because people were just so appalled. And um, I really loved the slogan that they used in the Netherlands. It said, stop the child murder. And that was a really kind of galvanizing move. European activists and urban planners designed a wide array of solutions to slow down speeding drivers, which did include speed humps, but mostly involved other things like roundabouts, protected bike lanes, and chicanes these intentional bends in the road that naturally slow cars. But while this movement started in the 70s in Europe, it took a lot longer to catch on in American cities like Chicago. We didn't start until decades later, and we primarily focused on the cheapest and most readily available solution, speed humps. So I would say by the 1990s, we start to see the first efforts in the U.S. for Traffic calming, as it was called. Traffic calming is terminology we use in the United States for slowing down vehicles for safety. And most of the efforts in the U.S. were speed humps. In Chicago, one early pilot program installed speed humps in alleys in 1997. And they became far more widespread during the following decades. And this seems to line up with Rob's own memory of first seeing speed humps in his neighborhood in North Center. That sounds right. I don't remember them when we first moved here in the mid-70s, and uh, they seemed to pop up, you know, 15, 20 years later. Okay, so that's the big picture history of speed humps. But Rob wanted to know more specifically about speed humps in Chicago. That, that's another thing. Who decides where, where, where the darn speed humps go? Is it, you know, is it some angry citizen that says, I gotta have a speed hump in front of my house? 
Actually, that's exactly right. The majority of speed humps in Chicago are the result of a petition system. But it's a multi-step process, so let's quickly break it down. First, an individual has to get a petition form online or from their older person. Second, they need to get signatures from 70% of the units on their block, agreeing that they need a speed hump. Then, they need to return that petition to their older person, who passes it to the Chicago Department of Transportation for review. CDOT then decides if a speed hump makes sense, and if approved, sends a work crew to install it. So, not exactly a speedy operation, but it does directly respond to the community, says Dr. Joseph Schwederman, professor of transportation at DePaul University. It provides an element of buy-in for the neighborhood, so they they feel that they have some control over uh, how things are happening on their block. But this reactive approach also has its drawbacks. We all know it can all devolve into the, the noisiest resident gets the speed bump where it's perhaps not needed the most, and there are limits to that approach. As a result, you end up with this kind of hodgepodge of speed humps in different neighborhoods that isn't necessarily strategic. And by the way, CDOT doesn't keep a map of where all these speed humps are installed around the city. So I asked Dr. Schwederman why the city doesn't just do a comprehensive study of every street where a speed hump or other traffic calming measure would make sense and install them. With the vastness of our city, it's really tough to figure out, given we have X dollars, where's our investments uh, best placed? So Chicago is huge, and this would be a costly project. So for now, Dr. Schwederman says the petition system will continue to be the primary way speed humps get installed. And when I explain this to Rob, he tells me he actually wouldn't want tax dollars to go to such an expensive project. Frankly, as a taxpayer, we have many other priorities beyond that. All right, so we've covered the history of speed humps and how they end up on Chicago streets. But as Rob is quick to remind me... You know, it still does not get to the question of whether they're actually needed and whether they produce any results. Okay, so are they effective? Do they work? I'll answer that question next, after the break. Before we get to whether speed humps really work, remember that speed humps matter to Rob on a professional level. I was a professional city planner in, in uh, Northern Virginia in, in uh, the early 70s. And so for Rob, it's not just that speed humps are annoying, it's that he's never come across any research that explains why they're effective. That's what upsets me. And as a professional who has worked as a city planner and who writes about urban infrastructure and so forth, Again, is this a good thing for traffic control? Or is there a better method? Is it tested? Is there any research that this works? All right, so I've strung along Rob for long enough. It's time to answer his most burning question. Okay, so are you feeling ready for the big reveal? Like whether or not I am, speed I am so I ready need. for this that <laughs> I, I, I'm on pins and needles as I approach this next speed hump right here. I can say that to, in response to Rob's question that, yes, they do work for reducing vehicular speeds. They do work for reducing incidents and accidents. That's Dr. P.S. Sriraj. I serve as the director of the Urban Transportation Center at uh, the University of Illinois at Chicago. Dr. Sriraj, along with most urban planners and civil engineers, thinks that speed humps work. 
And there's a lot of data to back that up. One recent report from the National Association of City Transportation Officials showed that in hundreds of before and after studies, speed humps reduce speeds by an average of 20% on roads where the speed limit is 30 or less. And when it comes to reducing traffic fatalities, it's all about speed. When you compare a speed that is at 40 miles an hour with a 20 miles an hour, at 40 miles an hour, you have uh, almost an 80% chance of a fatality versus 20 miles when the probability of a fatality just drastically reduces down to um, maybe 10, 20%. So yeah, that makes sense, right? You're going faster, you're more likely to cause a serious injury or death, less likely when you drive slower. So we can pretty definitively say that when installed on proper streets, speed humps do slow cars down and make streets safer. But Rob's criticism isn't entirely unwarranted. Sure, speed humps work, but how we design and install them is also important. And that's either changed over the years or is sometimes done incorrectly. For example, current design recommendations say that speed humps should be three to four inches in height. Three inches? Three inches in height. Oh, come on. <laughs> three inches? Many speed humps can be much taller than that. And this makes a huge difference, not just in terms of comfort, but also for damage to cars and the amount of noise larger vehicles make when they go over them. And if you do have one on your street that doesn't fit the standard, it's not an easy task to get rid of it. And it's not free. And this really connects back to both the installation process and the history. With the citizen petition system, you're going to end up with speed humps from different eras, and therefore different design standards. In addition, you'd have to go through the exact same petition process to have the speed hump removed, which Rob says he doesn't want to do. No, no, I'm, I, I don't need that. I don't need that <laughs> headache with my, with my neighbors. And, you know, and, 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 you know, it puts anybody who uh, objects to these things in a position where, you know, God forbid something happens, you know, an accident or, you know, somebody gets hurt or, you know, the worst, somebody gets killed, you know, having removed the, the speed hump. I, I don't want to be part of that. But you could ask a better question. Is this the best way to get to zero fatalities? Maybe not. What was really interesting to me is that Dr. Garrick, the transportation professor you heard at the beginning, he actually agrees with Rob that speed humps are kind of a crude solution because it's really trying to deal with a, um, to retrofit in a very quick and easy and cheap way, a bad design. And that bad design happened here in Chicago because we focused our traffic calming on speed humps and not much else until the last 10 years. Now, CDOT has been proactive in recent years with installing traffic calming, including protected bike lanes and chicanes, but they are mostly looking at the highest fatality areas, which don't tend to be in residential parts of the city. But in places like the Netherlands, where traffic calming hasn't focused just on speed humps, but all kinds of other solutions, the fatality rate for bikers and pedestrians is practically equivalent to the rate for people in cars. Which is astounding when you think that they're not protected by two tons of metal. But they've been at it for nearly half a century. And we're just starting to see similar changes here in Chicago. So we've definitely got a long road ahead of us. You know, you say speed humps, and it sounds like a throwaway topic. But it really relates to what kind of place we want to, to live, what kind of place we want to build. The city of Chicago says it wants to eliminate all traffic fatalities. That's part of the citywide plan known as the Vision Zero Initiative, which is committed to investing money to do so. 
and speed humps will likely play a small part in that plan. But they need to just be one of many tools that the city uses to make streets safer. Thanks to Andrew Merriweather for his reporting on this story. Curious City is produced by Jason Mark and Joe Dassault and edited by me. Linda Lutton reports for Curious City. Maggie Civit is our digital and engagement producer, and our interns are Sofia Lowe and Paloma Moreno-Jimenez. Original music for this episode is by QShop. Curious City is supported by the Conant Family Foundation. I'm Alexandra Solomon. Thanks for listening. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. Sometimes you just need a quick overview of the news. Meantime, it was chaos today at the Chicago City Council. A Chicago cop with a controversial past is running for judge. Other times, you're looking for a deeper understanding of what's going on in the city. Wow, that's so... No one has asked me that question. The Rundown Podcast has all of that, and it's Chicago-based, so you know what's up in your neighborhood and across town. Listen to The Rundown wherever you get your podcasts or at wbez.org slash rundown.